Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Now, it's one of those stories that are reported around the world, partly because it's fascinating, partly because it gives us all the extreme ick. A woman turned up to a hospital in Canberra with a range of symptoms, but after an extended investigation, the cause was eventually found an eight centimetre worm living in her brain. Dr. Sanjaya Senanikia is an infectious diseases specialist in Canberra Hospital. Sanjaya, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Sean. How are you? Uh, So could you start by telling us what symptoms uh, uh, this patient was initially presenting with? So when this all started many months earlier, she presented with uh, very nonspecific symptoms, some tummy pain, diarrhea, a bit of a cough, some night sweats, and she was... uh, She also had some abnormalities on her scans in her liver and her lungs. And one of her white cell counts, which can be up with a parasitic infection, but with other things as well, was also elevated. So you had that uh, constellation of uh, unusual features. Yeah. So Uh, she was. uh, So what led then to a neurosurgeon having a look at her brain? Yeah. So then after that initial presentation, we tried to rule out the common parasites that could do something like this. We even gave her some treatment, even though those tests were negative, and she got treated for an immunological condition. She seemed to settle. But then later on, she started to find that she was a bit more forgetful than usual, a bit less happy than usual. And a clever GP did an MRI scan of the brain because she was worried that something might be going on there. And sure enough, there was an abnormal mass in the front part of the brain. And this led to one of the neurosurgeons at our hospital taking a biopsy. And we all thought it might be a cancer, maybe an abscess, but uh, everyone was very surprised when she removed a live wriggling eight centimeter worm from this woman's brain. Ah, That's extraordinary. How did the patient react when she was told this? Oh, look, I, I think, look, Sean, you're many miles away, very, distantly removed from this case, but obviously you find that there's it, it's quite a, a que- queasy yuck yeah. factor type of uh, <laughs> story. But so you can imagine how it would have been for her. So, uh-huh. so clearly she was uh, obviously horrified, but given that she'd been sick for so long and we'd now got the diagnosis, we'd clinched it, we were able to offer her treatment, that also brought her some relief. So I think a mixture of horror and relief. Yeah. And so once the worm was found, was there a concern that there might be other parasitic creatures in there? Oh, absolutely. And as I said, when we go back to when this started and she had the tummy pains, the cough and the abnormalities on her CAT scan in her lungs and liver, Uh, In retrospect, we think those were larvae or other worms in her body. So just because we found one worm didn't mean that others were not still about. So we made sure that we gave her many weeks of anti-parasitic treatment uh, after the operation. And she went home and has been in the community ever since. Okay, well, that's that's very good to hear. Uh, What's the theory then as to how the worm got in there? Yeah, so look, if you've got time, it's probably worth looking over what the natural life cycle is of this parasite because it's never infected or been documented to infect a human before. Normally what happens is carpet pythons, which are found in the east coast of Australia, have the parasite. And when the pythons defecate, the python feces have the eggs of the parasite in it. And then small marsupials, 
marsupials or small mammals consume those parasite eggs when they're eating foliage, etc., and they get infected, and the larvae develops in them, and then another carpet python comes along and kills them, kills the little uh, cute mammal or marsupial, and the parasite's back in the python again, and it can complete its life cycle. What we think has happened here is our patient collected some native grasses for cooking. That's not uncommonly done uh, in the east coast of Australia. And we think that python feces and parasite eggs had contaminated those grasses. And she therefore got uh, the parasite eggs on her hand and possibly consumed them directly from the grasses and became an inadvertent or accidental host. Why would it have ended up in her brain? So, there are parasites uh, that do live in humans, and they've, uh, they've got the propensity to spread to all sorts of organs, livers, lungs, kidney, and some of them can go to the brain. Now, it may not necessarily have wanted to go to the brain, but just in its wanderings, it ended up there, because for this parasite, it would have been the first time it had been inside a human. And interestingly, as far as this parasite goes in animals, we looked hard and couldn't find any evidence of it invading the brain of a marsupial or a small mammal. So it probably just got lost on its travels. Okay, yeah. If it, if it normally wouldn't be found in a human, uh, how come it survived within a human? Well, that's a good question because a lot of parasites uh, can't can't do that. So it clearly has uh, some resilient, it is a a resilient type of uh, parasite. And we also know that in, say, rats, this particular larva or worm or parasite can actually live for at least four years. So they can hang around for a long time. They're very hardy, uh, tough bugs. Yeah. The, the uh, and you know that's I don't want to make too much of a big deal out of this, but is that if you like evidence of something of a trend in that we 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 seem to at least hear more and more about zoonotic infections coming from animals and jumping the species barrier into humans. Oh look, sure, no, no, look, I think that's the key take home message. So you you can't uh, overemphasize that enough. Because really, Sean, in the last, if you take out the yuck factor of the worm in the brain, what we have is another new infection in the world, in in human beings. And in the last 30 years, we've seen 30 new infections appear in the world, and 75% of them are zoonotic. So they're infections that have gone from the animal world to the human world. And as human populations burgeon and grow and encroach upon natural habitats, we're going to see closer interactions with domestic animals, wild animals, humans, and vegetation. So I think we're going to see more of the spillover. So I think that's a very important take-home message of this case. Does it work the other way, actually? Do do, do animals become infected with uh, parasites from humans? Uh, So parasites that normally live in us, not, not usually that way, but certainly we, we've seen viruses and uh, bacteria go from humans to, to animals. So, yeah, look, the, it, it's a big mixing pot. Absolutely. Yeah, indeed. And, and the worm, when the worm was in there, what was it living on? What, what, what was it eating, essentially? Look, it, it, it's a very good question. And certainly inside us, these parasites 
though they need to survive on, on food or nutrients, they're very conscious of the fact that they're parasites. So we live with them, they live with us. So they don't want to harm us too much. Mm. So uh, certainly uh, they would have eaten proteinaceous material, but uh, this parasite's not meant to be in the brain. So I think if it had been there too much longer, it might have actually started to cause some damage in the form of uh, paralysis or epilepsy or, or those sorts of things. Oh, my word. So in total, how long was it there for? Well, we don't know how long it was in the brain for. She certainly had a, a couple of months of not feeling quite right in terms of her her, her mood and uh, forgetfulness. So probably at least that period. But yeah, look, it, it is very hard to know. Okay. And was there any possibility if it had stayed there long enough, it would have replicated? I don't think this this larva itself would have replicated, but it certainly was alive and kicking, uh, so to speak. So I think it wouldn't have stopped in that particular part of the brain. It would have kept wandering. Okay, right. My uh, producer, uh, also called Sean, uh, visibly winced when I asked you that last question. Uh, but oh. <laughs> it, all, it all ended up uh, okay in the end, though, pleased to say. Uh, Dr. Sananjay Sananayaka is the infectious diseases physician in Canberra. Sanjay, I thank you very much. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Sean. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.